Welcome to Mastering Your Financial Life, hosted by Judy Heft, the founder and CEO of Judith Heft and Associates Financial and Lifestyle Concierge. This year, they're celebrating 26 years in business. In every episode, Judy interviews professionals who help others successfully manage their financial lives. You can find this show on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Judy is the author of two books, How to Be Smart, Successful, and Organized with Your Money, For a Better Today and Tomorrow, and her latest book, Mastering Your Financial Life Cycles, How to Successfully Manage Money in Every Decade of Life. You can read chapters of her books and catch prior episodes of this show at www.juditheft.com. Now here's the host of Mastering Your Financial Life, Judy Heft. Well, welcome to our fourth episode. I'm so excited because today I'm really thrilled to introduce you to Regina DeMeo. Regina is a family attorney and she's celebrating 20 years in the D.C. area, helping families with pre- and post-nuptial agreements, custody issues, and support and divorce issues. Regina has regularly appeared as a legal commentator on TV, on radio, and she has written columns throughout the United States. She was previously an adjunct professor at George Washington School of Law, and now Regina is the incoming board president of the WBO, the Women's Business Organization. So help me welcome Regina. Thank you for joining me, Regina. Do you want to introduce yourself a little in case I missed something there? No, no, that's fine. Thank you so much for having me, Judy. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's always great to talk to you. So let me just dive in then. So in a divorce, what are some of the biggest challenges that clients face, you know, financially? I think one thing I've learned is I know that they think, you know, now that I'm divorced, it's going to cost half as much to live. Wrong answer, right? Right. I mean, the biggest challenge often is that people have no idea how much they're actually spending, right? They have no concept of their monthly budget and and then uh, how they're actually paying for it. So one of the biggest first things everyone has to do is get organized. They need to go through all of their statements and, uh, you know, work with someone like you to help them like create a monthly budget. Like let's, let's look at what's actually being spent and then where can we start making some, some cuts, which is never easy. No, that's always a big challenge. And you're so right about what you said about most people have no idea what they're spending. And you know what I've noticed too, and not only with clients that are contemplating divorce, but people have signed up for something and then they forgot about it. And then it's in one of those automatic charges to their card. And then they think, well, it's $15 a month. I'm not going to worry about it, but it adds up and that accumulates. And so you really need to, to know your numbers, whether you're contemplating divorce or not. It's so important in order to create any kind of plan. So, yeah, I noticed that. So on the financial affidavits, they need to come up with weekly numbers, don't they? And that seems. I hear it's monthly. Oh, it is. Okay. Every state is different, I guess. Right. Yeah. I know in New York, it's weekly and Connecticut. So, yeah. So that's a little easier monthly, but it's still hard to make a budget. So how can uh, clients, you know, minimize the financial costs in a divorce? What, you know, you know, I know Years ago, I had a client who was 85 years old and his wife wanted a divorce. They were living separately, but I think she wanted to remarry. She was a little younger. And I went with him to the attorney and she wanted a $40,000 retainer. And at that point, he said, no, forget this. I'm not doing it. I don't need to at his age, especially didn't want to go to court or do any of that. So what are some of the things that, you know, couples can do to minimize the financial costs? 
definitely going to mediation is a lot less expensive than uh, litigation. So I do a lot. I've been doing mediation for over 15 years at this point, and it's great. I mean, if they're able to, you know, be respectful and sit in the same room together, and at this point it's by Zoom, which makes it even easier. Uh, you know, we just talk through all the issues and, and brainstorm solutions and come up with a mutually acceptable agreement, which sounds, you know, like, oh, the, how many times can that actually work out? It actually works out in over 50% of my cases. Oh, that's so, great. That's great to know. Right. I mean, most people, they may not want to live in the same house, but they're able to civilly resolve their disputes. And it's actually only 20% of cases that wind up being nasty in court. That's important to know. That That's helpful. They might have started out nasty. Maybe when they were working with you, they got a little bit more amicable towards each other. And they realized it's, you know, I'm not going to fight over that one fork or spoon. You know, that's not the important issue. Right. No, that definitely happens. And then for people who don't feel comfortable sitting in a room by themselves advocating, because, I mean, I, I can't be their advocate if I'm the mediator. So then we, we talk about the collaborative process. And the collaborative process, each party has their attorney. But everybody signs a contract, the attorneys and the clients, saying that they're not going to go to court and they're going to amicably um, try and resolve their issues in four-way meetings. So if, if it's really complicated finances, we would agree on a financial neutral and then bring that person in. It's, it's a person we both agree to, to work through the finances. And, and it, it is a great way to keep the costs down. Oh, that sounds good. So let's just recap that. So with mediation, it's one attorney working with both parties, right. hoping things are amicable. But collaborative is how does that work? Each has their own attorney. Each has their own, but I'm not uh, working against my opposing counsel. I'm working with them. So it's, it's almost like co-mediation. I see. And so, okay, so there's three different types. There's litigation, collaborative, right. and mediation. Right. And so mediation is the least expensive way. That's the best way to, you know, minimize the expense or is collaboration? No, no. Collaborative is going to be more expensive than mediation because you have two professionals and you may bring in a third if you need to bring in a financial neutral. Okay. So that, it, that gets a little bit pricier. And the retainers are different, right? When So when you're re retaining me to be the mediator, it's kind of pay as you go. You're paying me for a two-hour block, which is very inexpensive compared to other options, right? The next step up would be a collaborative process, but then you're paying, uh, each party's paying at least a $3,000 retainer. So that's six grand right off the bat. And in litigation, if we're going to go to court, those retainers usually start at 10000 per party. Yeah, so it gets up there. So yeah, yeah if you can be amicable, it just saves a lot of problems. So and are most mediations couples that do not have children? They're maybe starting out. How does that work? Or doesn't it matter? It doesn't matter. It's, I, I do a lot of custody mediation, and then I do a lot of financial mediation. Mm -hmm. And you do prenups and postnups as well? I do. I love that because they, those are forward-thinking couples. Those are couples that are willing to have a very difficult conversation in the beginning, right? I mean, it's, no one's comfortable talking about money, but you do have to decide what do we consider separate? What are we going to build together as our joint assets. And if things don't work out, which 50% won't, <laughs> like, what are we going to do in terms of alimony? If anything, you can do a, you can do a full waiver. You could say, we'll deal with it when the issue comes up. 
or at least you can minimize the damage and set some caps on the amount and duration. So I love doing that with, with young couples, especially, but also, I mean, like for people that are already established, it's, it's important to be able to say, look, I need to set aside some of these assets that I created without you for my children, right? If it's a second marriage. And so what about post-nups? When do you do those? That's when people procrastinate. So when they, oh. don't, when they don't get their prenup done in time before the wedding, we have to switch it to a post-nup. I see. I was always wondering about that. When does a post-nup come into play? I mean, the only other time it's happened is um, somebody when, when someone is about to inherit money. Right. So, so maybe like, you know, early on, they, neither one had anything. They didn't see any reason for a prenup. And all of a sudden, it turns out someone's going to inherit a substantial amount of money. And now you want to protect that inheritance. Mm-hmm. So that, that would be another reason that post-nups would happen. So are usually both par- parties in agreement on something like that? Or is it, you know, can it be? <laughs> you have to negotiate it. Right. But we can also mediate it. I mean, I've, I've mm-hmm. done collaborative and uh, mediated prenups. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I was at a wedding once. It was a friend of my daughter's and the guy had children from before and he had, you know, accrued some wealth and he wanted her to sign a prenup and she didn't do it. And they were right there before the ceremony and she refused to do it. And they had a fake ceremony because all the guests were there. And I don't know if they even ended up getting married afterwards. It It was crazy, though. I mean, there was a little buzz around the wedding. They're not really getting married. It happened. Yeah, I guess so. It was a little juicy uh, item there. But yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's it's so important to, I think what I'm getting out of this is communication is really important. It's important before, during, especially, and even after when things don't work out. Right. You know? Yeah. So, you know, we're going to take a little break now, and then we're going to come back and uh, talk a little bit more. So thanks, Regina. Okay. Hey there. I'm Judy Heft founder and CEO of Judith Hefton Associates, financial and lifestyle concierge, celebrating 26 years in business. Woo-hoo. On the financial side, we help clients simplify their lives with daily money management and bookkeeping services. On the lifestyle side, we take away that tedious and ever-procrastinated to-do list and get every chore accomplished with finesse. You can find my recent book that I co-authored with our CFO, Liz Levy, Mastering Your Financial Life Cycles, on our website at judithheft.com slash book. This simple, straightforward guide is intended to help you make the best financial decisions at every stage of life. If you're ready to upgrade your financial literacy and become interested in your financial journey, this book is a must-read. You can find both of our books on Amazon. I can be reached at judy at judithheft.com or 203-978-1858. Of course, you can always check us out on our website, judithheft.com. That's J-U-D-I-T-H-H-E-F as in Frank T dot com. I look forward to hearing from you. Enjoy the show. And we're back. So I just want to ask you, so Regina, what are some of the key resources that are available for your clients? For me, it's uh, getting a great bookkeeper, number one, because uh, 
it doesn't make sense to pay me at my hourly rate, let alone it's not my skill set, right? I mean, I, I, I went to law school because I'm really good at arguing and because I'm a really good writer, not because I had any intention of helping people with their financial budgets. So why would you pay somebody that is super expensive to do something that they're not even trained to do, right? Absolutely. Then, um, obviously having the right accountant and, uh, the right trusted advisor, um, legally, right? So I, I mean, I only do family law, but my clients are constantly reaching back out to me to say, Oh, I need to get a will done. Do you have any recommendations? Or, Oh, I'm creating a business. Do you have any names for a business lawyer? So you, you just need to find one trusted attorney. And then that one trusted attorney can start you know, connecting you with the right people, but you, you definitely have to have those, those people, those resources in your back pocket, because that's, that's what you're going to need for, for the rest of your life. I mean, you, you, unless you want the government to decide what happens to your assets when you die, right? I'd like to not have that happen. <laughs> I agree. It's shocking to me that so many people don't have a will too. When we meet with them, it's like, they're afraid. I don't know what it is. Sometimes I don't understand, especially when you have children, when you have children, you have to make sure, I mean, I'm not, I have an 18 year old, but I am not leaving any money in his possession, right? I don't, I don't think he's ready for that kind of responsibility, right? So you need a trustee that's going to actually manage the money until the child is an appropriate age, whether that's, you know, 28 or 38. I mean, I don't know. These, these millennials, I'm not sure about how, how well they can manage money. Yeah, well, that's a that's an interesting comment. And you know, what kind of made me laugh when you said you became a lawyer because you love to argue. I thought that was great. When you were a young kid, did your mother or father say to you, you're going to be a good lawyer someday with all those arguments all the time? <laughs> that's really funny. Yep. That's cute. I love that. So how can our uh, people watching and listening find you, Regina? So I'm Jen X Smarty on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's my, uh, oh, and, and YouTube. That's my handle and social media. And obviously I have my own law firm, uh, in the DC area and that's super easy. It's just reginademayo.com. And so tell me your handle again. Can you spell that out? Make sure everybody got that clearly. Oh, yeah. That's true. Cause Jen X Smarty is like the candy. So, uh, G E N X. S-M-A-R-T-I-E. Oh, I got it. Okay. I wasn't sure. That's great. That's a great handle. I love it. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Regina. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And I really look forward to seeing you again and collaborating with you. I, I love working with you. So this is great. So thank you so Absolutely. much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. This was fantastic. Thank you. It was my pleasure. You've been listening to Mastering Your Financial Life, hosted by Judy Heft. Thank you for your positive reviews, comments, and sharing this show with others. You can read chapters of Judy's books and catch prior episodes of Mastering Your Financial Life at www.judithheft.com.